Before we get started today, I thought I'd share some of my music with you. So, before we start this episode, let's listen to a little bit of Wayne Toops. Hey everyone, welcome back. I want to thank you for coming and joining me today. I hope you've been getting through this whole debacle. Hopefully you have arrived at this point in time relatively unscathed. I know a lot of people are worried out there. I know a lot of things are kind of sad and a lot of people are depressed right now. But I know that sooner or later we're going to get through this. And I really think in the end we're going to come out of this and we're going to be hopefully in a better position than we've ever been before. But uh, we just have to stick in there. I want to apologize. The sound is not optimal right now, but I am working on that. Uh, I am not monetizing this in any way, shape, or form right now. That was a little node, a little nudge to our, our governor down there. But I am hoping that in the future, hopefully in a week or two, I will have a microphone that I can use that'll sound a little bit better for the recording that I'm doing here. If people saw how I was recording this episode, they'd probably be laughing at me, but I've tested quite a few different uh, positions, quite a few different areas, and this seems to be one of the better setups that I can use. So perhaps in a later episode, I'll tell you a little bit about the way that I recorded this episode. Anyway, I wanted to get into this episode and talk about something here that has come to mind. One of the people that is important to me, he's in the flight program at Fairmont State. He is uh, one of the professors at the school, and I've really come to appreciate him more and more the longer I've uh, known him and spoken with him. But uh, I'm not going to say his name, but I will say he and I agree on politics quite often. And I see that he had shared something this morning I wanted to share with you. Now, this is a... Uh, a little meme that's a little outline, I guess you would say. And this is from worldometers.info. So www.worldometers.info. And it's a Lifeline Children's Services. So what they have here now, this is to try and put things into perspective. I know folks are afraid. Folks are scared. Folks, we, we tend to be afraid of the unknown. And that's one thing about this whole virus, this disease, is it's really unknown. We still don't know what's going on. But I just want us to put things in perspective. I'm not saying not to worry, but I want you to listen to this. So this is a a little look at worldwide deaths. Now this is worldwide from January the 1st of this year until April the 1st. So April the 1st wasn't all that long ago, just a couple of weeks It says that COVID-19 had a total of 46,438 deaths. Now, that's a lot, isn't it? I mean, that sounds like quite a lot of people. But in this list, that's at the very bottom. Next, you have the seasonal flu, which kills about three times as many, 121,993. Malaria worldwide killed 246,121, so almost six times as many. Suicide. Now, this is one that really sticks out to me because those of you who have heard my previous episodes, I think you might have heard me speak about this before. The thing that I worry about with this virus 
is the fact that when you look back at the 2008 crisis, you will see that people were becoming uneasy about that whole situation. There were a lot of deaths. There were a lot of suicides during that time. And what I need to do is go back and look at how many suicides happened. If I'm not mistaken, it was it was sky high during the 2008 crisis. And I need to look that up. You know, what happens to us whenever we get nervous? What happens when we become afraid? What happens when we feel that there's never going to be an upside, that things are never going to get better? What happens to us? We tend to look inward at ourself we tend to look at our surroundings at our life and we just feel overwhelmed and a lot of people have nowhere to turn you know it's i've said it before suicide unfortunately is a very selfish thing but whenever you feel alone anyway it's kind of difficult to see how many people care for you and unfortunately after someone takes their life we see the people who come around afterwards and share their condolences with the family and things of that sort. And, of course, it kind of is upsetting because a part of me wants to say, well, why didn't you show them that you loved them when they were alive? Why did it take their death to show how much you cared for them? But let's put that aside. Suicides for the world, January 1 to April 1, 269,076. Traffic fatalities. So this could be... I venture to say this could be vehicles, motorcycles, uh, aircraft, whatever. Traffic fatalities, uh, 338,716. You know, we're getting eight, eight times as many deaths as this, as this virus. HIV and AIDS worldwide, 421,808. You know, here in the United States, we don't even think about HIV and AIDS anymore. But that's nine times as many deaths right there. Alcohol, 627,571. Smoking has killed 1.25 million. Cancer, 2.06 million. Hunger, 2.8 million. And the one that is upsetting to me, abortion, 10.665 million people. You know, I'm not saying that this virus isn't a big deal. I'm not saying that it isn't scary. I'm not saying that it isn't an issue. But I think we need to put things into perspective a little bit. Because this is not as big of a deal as what we're making it out to be. And what I really worry about is the economy. Now, I know there are some of you people who are saying, Well, Kevin, who cares about the economy? Who cares about the rich? Who cares about the stock market? Well... Let me tell you, there are a lot more people that are involved in the stock market than just rich people. There are people who are retired, who have saved their own, their own money, not the government's money. They've saved their own money. They worked and were smart and they invested that money in the stock market. Now we are arbitrarily harming. We are arbitrarily, we are hurting this economy. We are putting companies out of business, new companies. Trucking companies, you wouldn't believe how many trucking companies right now are going belly up. I can tell you personally, as a truck driver, freight is slow. Freight is slow, there's not much freight, and the freight that is there is not being um, it's not being offered for very much. You know, usually you try and get about $2 a mile whenever you're driving a tractor trailer. This is a big vehicle, and it drinks down the fuel, 5 to 5.5 gallon, uh, or miles per gallon. 
you know, I'm moving 80,000 pounds here to go down the road. I'm pushing a lot of air and I'm pulling a lot of weight. And you really can't afford to do this when you're down at $1 per mile. That just doesn't pay the bills. But, you know, I am kind of worried because we have a lot of people who are depending on those those monies, those funds from their stock market, from their mutual fund, from their IRA, from their 401k, from their Roth IRA, Roth 401k, mutual funds, different investment venues. We need to remember it's not just rich people that are being hurt by this. It's everyday Americans. And that does scare me. So I say that to say I saw in my news feed here, it's from the New York Post, says protesters clog streets in Michigan over Whit, uh, Whitmer coronavirus, coronavirus stay-at-home order. It says thousands of protest, uh, protesters on foot and in vehicles converged Wednesday on Michigan's capital to rally against Governor Gretchen Whitmer's stay-at-home orders in the state. Operation Gridlock, organized by the Michigan Conservative Coalition, created a huge bumper-to-bumper traffic jam around the Michigan Capitol building in Lansing. That was reported by Fox 2 Detroit. (laughs) says, uh, Michon Maddock, an organizer for the group, said that demonstrators included Republicans, Democrats, and Independents. said, Quarantine is when you restrict movement of sick people. Tyranny is when you restrict the movement of healthy people, Maddock told Fox News. Every person has learned a harsh lesson about social distancing. We don't need a nanny state to tell people how to be careful. Says that the protest had begun, had been expected to start at noon, but a line of vehicles stretching for miles began earlier in the morning. Let me read just a little bit more here for you. Operation Gridlock was just one of many demonstrations planned across the country to push back on the stay-at-home orders, calling on state governments to focus on economic on the economic toll the coronavirus pandemic has caused along with taking care of the sick. Nearly 17 million Americans have been laid off or furloughed in the past three weeks, or one out of every 10 workers. So, you know, when we think about that, when we think about one out of 10 You see 10 homes on your street, and chances are one of those homes is owned by someone who is out of work. I, you know, this, if this doesn't scare you, I don't know what will. One out of 10. So here's, here's the point. What is the death rate on this disease? Some say 1%, some say 2%. Okay, that would be 1% would be one house out of 100 this is one house out of ten, so by a, so by a, uh, you know, by a wide margin, we're putting people out of work, when really this isn't as big of a deal as they're making it out to be. Now I know there are people who are so worried, and they say, well, if we don't shut everything down, then this virus will spread. Well, let me tell you one thing: you can shut everything down. Tell truck drivers to stay home. We can close all the stores. People won't eat. People won't find anything to eat. And this virus will still spread because people aren't going to sit in their home. And I don't blame them. You know, folks, we are are social beings. I'm a bit of an extrovert. Anyone who knows me knows I like being sometimes a center of attention. Maybe that's why I have this podcast. But I also like my time at home by myself as well. 
but I don't like that to stay in perpetuity. I don't like that to be the, the general case that I'm always by myself. Sometimes I want to get out and be around people. Maybe for short periods of time, but I still like being around people. I like to laugh. I like to tell jokes. I like to enjoy myself. Perhaps I like to show off. I like a crowd. You know, if I'm singing, I'll, I want the biggest crowd I can have. I think a lot of people are really seeing this for what it is. And I'm going to say something you might disagree with me, and that's perfectly okay. But I still believe this is what's happening. I believe this virus is real. I believe that some people have died. Some people have been seriously injured by this virus. Some people have been uh, bed, uh, you know, bedbound or for a while, homebound for a while. But I also think that there are people who are taking advantage of this. You know, I believe it was Rahm Emanuel who said, "You never, never let, never let a crisis go to waste." And we think about what he means there. And I've said it before. I'm not saying I disagree with him. I know exactly what he's saying. I think it's a great strategy for getting things done when the things you're wanting done are not popular. He knows that. That's why he's saying to do them whenever there's an emergency like this. Let's look at this phase three, as they called it. This was supposed to be money that was given to those who are out of work, those companies who are struggling to get by. This was supposed to be a way to help people keep their job. But what happened? Instead of it being just a, a fund to help those in need, we sent millions of dollars to the Kennedy, uh, whatever, uh, I can't even think of it now, uh, the Humanities for the Arts, Humanities for, uh, <laughs> I can't even think of what it's called now. There are different things that were given money. There are different pet peeves that were given money. I believe the uh, NPR was given money. National Public TV, Public Radio was given money. And I've heard people say before, you know, Big Bird, <laughs> Big Bird is a good model. It's a good business model. If public TV, public radio, if those things were not funded anymore, then the things that were successful would be picked up by business. Big Bird would easily be picked up by someone. Could be Disney. Who knows? But I think the thing that we need to look at here is all of these funds were sent out to these organizations. These organizations are already funded for the year. You know, the forestry department was already funded for the year, but yet we're sending more funds. And the funny thing is, these, a lot of these companies and corporate, or not corporations, but companies and entities are closed. A lot of state, federal parks are closed. Why would they be needing more money if they're closed? You know, I look back and I just have to wonder, whenever we had the shutdown under Obama, and I'm not picking on the man, I'm just pointing out, there was someone in his organization, in his administration, that tried to put pressure on people to get a hold of their elected officials to make them go along with whatever they could to, to end the, the shutdown. But what happened? We had people, we had veterans on those freedom flights, those veterans that were going to the uh, memorials in Washington, D.C. They were going to tour different memorials. They were going to Arlington, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. They are going to these different places. And what happened during the shutdown? 
They put up barricades and barriers to keep out World War II veterans from going to see some of these memorials. Now, I don't care who you are, Republican, Democrat, it doesn't matter. That is wrong. You know, why is it cheaper to rent barricades, to have barricades put up, than it is to keep things going like it was? It's just people trying to prove a point, people trying to make a point. And you know, some of us are getting sick about this. Some of us are getting sick with it. So here's my, here's what I'm trying to wrap all this together. And then I'll let you go for the day. I do think this is an issue. I think this virus is an issue. And I think that people who are sick need to stay at home. I think people who are, who are at risk for this disease need to stay home. I think people who are susceptible to certain diseases, people who have a weakened immune system, respiratory system, uh, pulmonary system, they need to stay home. They need to self-quarantine to the best of their ability. But I don't think we need to shut everything down. I think what's happening here, just like the gentleman that was speaking, excuse me, speaking on behalf of Vice President Biden, He was trying to say that this virus is going to be around for 18 more months and we couldn't possibly think about opening things up until we have a vaccine and that this is going to be around 18 months and this is just how things are going to be for the next year and a half. I don't care who you are. That is not sustainable. We cannot keep printing money. We cannot keep giving money away. We cannot keep doing what we're doing. The mental health of our citizens is now at stake. You know, as a Christian, I have to wonder, I really have to wonder, how long are we going to put up with this? I'm not saying that I want to be a criminal. I'm not saying I want to go out and do things that are illegal. I don't want to do things that are wrong. But I will say I don't want things to continue the way that they're going. It's it's not uh, sustainable. It's not right. This is a threat to not only people who, uh, you know, who are out of work, but people who still have a job, people working from home. They're missing those times of, uh, of encouragement, being around family members and friends, people who enjoy going to church. They're missing being around their church family. They're missing out on that edification and encouragement that they would get there. I think we're really doing, we're doing a lot of harm right now. And I really hope that we can get this turned around and very soon. You know, maybe I'm on a high horse here and and I apologize if it comes off that way, but as a truck driver, I'm considered essential. But the way I see it, every job is essential. Taking care of your children is essential. Taking care of your family is essential. Taking care of your home, your livelihood, your retirement, all these things are essential. There's really no job in this nation that's not essential. Maybe politicians. (laughs) You know, maybe if people in Congress and in the House can't figure things out, maybe they're not essential. You know, I personally have said I'd I'd rather just pay senators and members of the House to just stay home because it seems like every time they get together, they spend more of our money. Not only do they spend it, but they take away more of our rights and liberties. 
And if you honestly think that folks haven't lost rights and liberties during this setback, as they're calling it, you're sadly mistaken. I just saw earlier that uh, different companies are out there saying that you can't buy seeds. If you're being told you can't make a garden, form a garden, grow a garden, you need to grow, form, make, and encourage that garden to grow. You need to work and till it and take care of that ground. You know, we're in a time right now where it's even more important to be self-sufficient, self-reliant. I think we're seeing right now we can't uh, rely on these other countries. We can't rely on countries like China to be taking care of our health, of our healthcare system. We ought to be doing these medications here at home. We ought to be producing steel here at home. If we go into war, we need to have the materials on hand to be able to sustain ourselves. We shouldn't have to rely on other countries. You know, the way I understand, and I might be completely wrong on this, but the way I was taught uh, in school was that during the uh, <laughs> during the Civil War, when the North and South were battling, the North were making their guns here at home. And those in the South were getting a lot of their weapons from France or other places. And you have to wonder, how can you be in a battle when you don't have access to the tools and weapons you need? We do that to other countries. If we go to war with them, we shut down their supply lines so they can't get access to the things that they need. But we've done that very thing to ourselves. We have sent our manufacturing overseas. We have sent our, our goods, our raw materials. Steel now goes overseas. It doesn't, it's not kept here. Let me say this. I already said I was going to be done, but let me say this. I heard Mark Cuban talking this morning, and he said we need to bring our manufacturing back. You know, and maybe we can't afford to have the same workers that they have over in China. Maybe we can't afford to have as many workers on an assembly line. But you know what we can do? We can be technologically savvy here in the United States. We can encourage growth with uh, machines, on the mechanic side of it, technology, we can grow through this. We can work to create assembly lines that are very efficient, very effective, very reliable. And we can bring back our manufacturing to this nation. You know, we don't have to give everything away. We could do things here at home. We need to focus on doing what we can to support ourselves and to grow this economy because it's all we got guys i really want to thank you for coming and joining me today i know this was a little bit depressing but it wasn't meant to be you know i hope this is a rallying cry for people i know a lot of people right now i've spoken to people good people people with a good heart when i tell them i'm not wearing a mask I am not in the least bit afraid of this disease. And they say, well, what about other people that you're going to give the disease to? Well, if those people are susceptible to, you know, to this disease, if those people have the weakened immune systems and things of that sort that I spoke about earlier, then they need to be quarantined. They need to self-quarantine and stay at home. And I will stay away from them. But, you know, I cannot quit driving this truck. I have a load of water right now in this truck, 45,800 pounds of water. This water has to get where it's going. 
You know, this is an essential shipment. Things still have to make it places. We still need to have things in the stores. We still need to be able to take care of ourselves. It's not the government's job to take care of us. It's our job. We're adults. Let's start acting like it. Like I said, this is a rallying cry, guys. I really would love to see people grow gardens. Uh, you know, I wish cheeseburgers grew in gardens. <laughs> because I'm not a big fan of vegetables, but I do love some green beans from the garden. I'll take that any day of the week. But uh, stick in there, guys. Once again, I really want to thank you for coming and listening and spending a little bit of time with me today. Just want to let you know I'm trying to improve this podcast. And like I said, I am working on buying new equipment. I have a new microphone that's on its way, and hopefully I'll have that for, if not the next broadcast, the one after. But I will encourage you right now that if there's something you disagree with, something you want to say, something you'd like to point out, go ahead and get on Anchor. Uh, .fm and send it to me. If you send me an audio clip of an issue that you have or an issue that you take against something I've said, send it to me and I'll try and respond to that in the best way I can. I might even put your audio clip online here with me. So I encourage you, if you would uh, like to do that, definitely do that. Send me a message. Drop me a line, guys. I love hearing from you. It, uh, it really encourages me to keep going when I hear you guys uh, telling me how you're listening to the podcast. And uh, I also want to tell you, we've had a listener in Ireland, which is kind of exciting. So it's uh, an interesting time right now, guys. So, hey, you're stuck at home. Might as well spend it with me. And I won't give you the virus, I promise. All right, guys, you have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you later. Take care.